The day of the Lord is a great day of transition. As I've often said, it's, it's a day, one day, not a seven-year day. The day of the Lord is both an historical event we learn from and, more importantly, a future event we prepare for. Few would uh, disagree that the days of recent months and their complexities and tensions and uncertainties have many of us digging a bit deeper into our own spiritual uncertainties, asking and, and searching for what meaneth all this. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and I, I welcome you to the program today. You know, our study of the book of Joel provides us with significant insight, not only of God's ultimate end-time plan for His people and the nations, but more importantly, how we're to respond to that day and all that accompanies it. Let me say emphatically, we're entering a transitional generation, one which I believe will see the return of the Lord on that great day. Now, you may have difficulty getting your heart and head around that prospect. I do, too, sometimes, especially in light of our 24-hour news cycles. But no, there's a, a generation emerging in our day given to 24-hour prayer cycles with intercession and travail, masculine, young men and women of extraordinary insight and gifted in wisdom. As the prophet Daniel reveals, the people who know their God are strong and will give understanding to many. The eschatological day of the Lord, the, the central theme of the book of Joel, takes us to the climax of the time of the Great Tribulation and how we, the church, are to respond. Chapter 2 of Joel is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. We see the limited expression and fulfillment in Joel's generation and its greatest expression and fulfillment in the generation of the Lord's return. And, of course, the central theme is the day of the Lord. There are several reasons we should see Joel 2 as nearly entirely future, with only a limited historical rendering of the, the coming Babylonian military invasion that sent Israel into its much-prophesied 70-year captivity and expulsion from the land. First, in, in Joel 2.2, regarding the day of the Lord, it says, A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. Since the Roman invasion of Jerusalem in 70 AD surpassed even the, the horror of the Babylonian invasion, we're forced to look to a yet future fulfillment. Secondly, the full vindication of the people on the land has never been fulfilled. The Jew has been persecuted throughout multiple godless empires, going all the way back to the Egyptians. And the Bible is clear, there is yet one more to come, an empire filled by an ancient hatred that would but for the hand of God remove the covenant people from the face of the earth. But listen to what the prophet says in verse 26. There's a time coming when my people shall never again be put to shame. The return after the Babylonian captivity was, was limited and it was incomplete. It's simply to say the ultimacy of these historical events 
will be seen in the generation of the Lord's return. And thirdly, the reason chapter 2 of Joel can be seen mostly as future, the military invasion in this chapter is associated with cosmic disturbances. The two events take place in the same time period. Listen to verse 10. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars, they diminish their brightness. The Antichrist and his armies invading the land, putting a sudden end to the temple sacrifices and the false peace that have put the nations at ease over the past several years, leading to the man of sin to enter the temple claiming himself to be God. This all is consistent language found throughout the prophetic writings. The sun, moon, and stars are all all connected to the outpouring of the Spirit and the cosmic disturbances and ecological disturbances in the final three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. So, let's, uh, let's look at some of the detail of the unprecedented nature of that military invasion in chapter 2. First of all, the need to proclaim the coming day of the Lord, the military crisis, and its future devastation. Verses 1 and 2. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the the day of the Lord is coming, for it's at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will ever be any such after them even for many successive generations. The desolation that follows this final invasion of the Antichrist at the end of the age is not the desolation that's been ongoing for many generations. This is so important for us to distinguish. This comes after many days, after the nation that was driven out by the sword has returned home and become prosperous even secure in their own land under the false peace of the Antichrist. Listen to Isaiah chapter 28. Your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol, with death, will not stand when the overflowing scourge passes through. Then you will be trampled down by it. Then there's this graphic description of the military invasion at the day of the Lord in verses 3 through 9. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots over the mountaintops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people writhe in pain, all faces are drained of color. Zechariah points out in chapter 14, this is a global event, all at the hands of the Lord. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. 
also the cosmic disturbances we see in verse 10. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars, they diminish their brightness. We know from so many other scriptures, the sun, moon, and stars reference events in the the Great Tribulation based on, on many scriptures. I believe they point to actual nuclear events. Again, Zechariah in chapter 14. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Listen, their flesh shall be dissolved while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. In that day, great panic from the Lord will be among them. Beloved, we must get our heads around the fact that the Lord God Almighty will administer justice to his enemies in these final days to come. And then there's the, the sovereignty of God over the day of the Lord and the, and the prophet's challenge for endurance. In verse 11, the Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? God knows exactly what he's doing. It was, it was announced throughout the Bible, and he's, he's fulfilling his word. Yes, it's a great and terrible day. Then, and most importantly, the nation's necessary response to this future crisis. Turn to the Lord with all your heart. Verses 12 and 13. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he's gracious and he's merciful, he's slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. This is Joel's key message. While God may mitigate a harsh judgment that will only come out of a wholehearted response from his people, that's you and me. How about God's response to to our response in verse 14? Who knows if he will turn and relent and, and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? I believe our response of Offering, worship, travail, brokenness, a total surrender and emptying of the flesh will provide the unique strategies for the redeemed to navigate in the Spirit in the crisis to come. Call a solemn assembly with corporate fasting and and gather every social demographic in the nation. Listen to verses 15 and 16. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing babes. Listen to me. This must begin to happen now. It's starting, but I believe there's a wave of voluntary weakness beginning to manifest among believers that will impact the nations and ignite the greatest revival since Pentecost. And this is the key. Call the leadership of the nation to unite in prayer and fasting in light of the escalating violence. Verse 17, Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? 
What must the leadership do? The prophets, the pastors, the teachers, they must lead leadership in due season. That's what we need in this time frame. Then the Lord's response, listen, to the vindication of the people in the land and the outpouring of the Spirit after this national response by the people to crisis. Verse 20, I will remove far from you the northern army. That is the Babylonians in Joel's day. But more importantly, the very army, the Bible says, comes out of the north, led by the Antichrist in our coming day. Joel continues, And I'll drive him away into a barren and desolate land, with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will rise because he's done monstrous things. Joel 2.21, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. And my people, listen, shall never be put to shame. God's people have been opposed by the nation since antiquity. And then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Joel 2.28. I love this. And it shall come to pass afterward. After all those things I've just been talking about, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And I will show wonders in the heaven and in the earth before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Sons and daughters prophesying, old men dreaming, young men seeing visions, signs and wonders on the earth and and in heaven, blood, fire, and smoke before the coming of the Lord. These tribulation events come before the Lord's return. Just as Jesus said in Matthew 24, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You know, there's a, there's a finality to this day of the Lord, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, The first resurrection and the catching up of the church, Israel returning to the land, saved in a day, the Son of God ruling and reigning from the throne of David in Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. There are multitudes of blood-bought, redeemed brothers and sisters in the church in this day who have not even recognized these prophetic events as yet future. Now, this should strike our hearts and be the subject of prayer and intercession, lest they be caught unprepared and, even worse, deceived. Beloved, we're living in the greatest time in history. The harvest is ripe. Multitudes are are seeking answers. Turn your face to the Spirit of God. Ask Him to use you to be a voice to a generation in this ultimate crisis to come. I'm Bill Nordstrom. God bless you. We'll see you next time.